Good morning. Thank you for coming, for attending this uh, Sunday morning Dharma talk. And thank you for all of your help in supporting this community, both by attending, by practicing, and by uh, financially supporting us. We need your help. Please continue if you can. Title of this morning's Dharma talk is Knowing, Knowing Beyond Thought. Knowing Beyond Thought. And of course, how, how do you do that? How can you, how can you know something without thinking about it, analyzing, concluding, evaluating, accepting, rejecting, and all that. And so I'm going to read a little bit since I, my memory's kind of shot. Not that I could ever remember anything. But this is from the middle length discourses of the Buddha, the Majjhima Nikaya, which we've studied in a group. It's been a few years, I think, since we've studied that. And this is a, 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 a if I pronounce his name correctly, Vachagotha. He uh, uh, talked to the Buddha and pressured him about with either or questions. This or this, is it this or is it this? And the Buddha probably got pretty frustrated with that. And he didn't say, I don't do either or. But he did say, uh, and I'm reading from that text, the Majjhima Nikaya. To hold that the world is eternal, the Buddha declared, or to hold that it is not, or to agree to any other of the pro propositions that you advance, O Vacha, which is short for Vachgota, is the jungle of theorizing, the wilderness of theorizing, the tangle of theorizing, the bondage and the shackles of theorizing attended by ill, distress, perturbation, and fever. It does not lead to detachment, passionlessness, tranquility, and peace to knowledge and to the wisdom of nirvana. This is the danger I perceive in these views, which makes me discard them all. So the way I talk about this is for you, for any of us to train sitting meditation so that you can actually see the thinking process. I was taught differently. I was taught by Trungpa Rinpoche back in the early 1970s to, well, first of all, just to sit there. That was the initial teaching. And then eventually it became uh, when thoughts arise, label thinking and return to the out breath. It was very simple. I practiced that for many, many years and was trained to actually teach that. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't practice that way. If this is what you want to do, then go ahead. But my, what I recommend is that you, instead of trying to push away the thoughts or label them and get them to drop back is to watch how they appear watch how they disappear, watch how they appear, do nothing with them. To me, this way emphasizes the spaciousness in which the thoughts, emotions, feelings, memories, conclusions, opinions, and so on arise. It, it, it is more respectful than trying to have some kind of artificial structure or something where you set the thoughts aside because those thoughts are dependently risen. And they're not something to be gotten rid of. This is how I see it. And if you see it differently, I would say this to anyone who's listening or may uh, hear this talk a long time from now. You should do whatever you feel like you should do it. I respect what you need to do with your mind stream. But if you are listening and you want to consider this, 
rather than picking and choosing, you could just look at it that way. You could just hold still and watch the movement because observing awareness, this is the path. <laughs> as far as I can see. Maybe others, probably are countless others. So as soon as you pick something or choose something, or should I do this or should I do this, is this right or is this, as soon as you get caught up in that, then we, we go back down three or four stories, down to a very um, you know, controlling, uh, impulsive, uh, fear-based, right and wrong-based area of consciousness that is, uh, you don't have to get rid of. But you also don't necessarily have to fuel that or support that or keep that running as if that's the, the sole determinator of anything you're going to do. Have a willingness to not know. And in this way, the thought process of grasping, rejecting, gaining and losing, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, picking and choosing area, that starts to lose its momentum. And that in that space in which those thoughts, memories, conclusions, exclusions arise, starts to become more, it's more obvious. It's like you, you're, you're swamped by the clouds, but then by just watching the clouds, watching the feeling of being swamped, you eventually will see the space in which those comings and goings, those uh, apparent, those, those illusions that we are deluded by into thinking that they're real and need to be acted upon. We need to do something about that. But I can't just sit here. Yeah, you can and sit there, sit there forever. Then we begin to see another image. We begin to see the sky. Nothing, the, the sky doesn't do anything. And, and from an ultimate point of view, there is no such thing. From a relative point of view, there is no such thing. But from an ultimate point of view, point of view, which really isn't a point of view, there both is and isn't. So how, how do you how do you use language that is structured out of this and that, this and that, and this and that, logic and so on, reason even? How do you use that to squeeze some truth out of that? I'm not saying you can't, but it is unlikely. So if you do go to right or wrong or either or, or should I or shouldn't I, you don't have to stop that. You just have to be aware of it and don't necessarily get on either train. No picking and choosing. Your, your impulsiveness or my impulsiveness might cause us to go and grasp something and try to shut something down or grasp at something and try to puff it up, ramp it up, increase it. But it's about the awareness of that. It's not about correcting anything. And, and in this way, the ego or that part of the consciousness we call the glacial mind, the disturbed area of the mind that is at war with itself and at war with anything else that it can, uh, it can, that it can grasp at as being other, will create more tension, more warfare, more suffering. <clears throat> I can say more about this, but it's fairly simple dynamic. If you have questions about it, please bring them this way. I would appreciate it. Junchu Valley. Junchu. <coughs> if it, if we're having trouble making a decision on something that looks like we have to make a decision on. Yes. Um, 
there's a lot of tightness or tension around that. Is there a way to see that there's no choice or open that up a bit? It's a, it's a good question, and it's one that we all run into, especially someone who is trying to understand, don't pick and choose. If you, have, if you have that along with you have something coming up that it looks like an either or and it's highly contrasted it's black and white and and yet you're you're also kind of maybe a little bit even lecturing yourself a little bit and saying i don't really have to do anything i don't have to don't have to choose i don't have to pick you you may have to you may, it's conditional it's situational and it's dependently risen so uh, but there is no that i know of there's no particular protocol or special structure or, or um, algorithm to use the fancy word there to they can show you how to when that shows up well, how you can apply that or do that um, so it would be different in each situation in two situations that were they mo both might look very similar but don't necessarily use one uh, to apply to the other this is a conventional thinking it is not wrong it's taught everywhere well you have to learn from your mistakes no you don't that's, that's a misunderstanding from the point of view of the spiritual path. And from the point of view of the mundane path, of course, it's correct. Don't do that again. Don't make that mistake. As soon as I say that, we can immediately think of areas where that doesn't really work in this one. You have to actually decide in this area, this one area. So that's the, that's the hook on which we're caught is the belief in it, that this is, this is, is real, that this is a, um, but we are deluded by this, 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 into thinking this is real and needs to be acted on on a way that that um, assumes, concludes, and believes in this reality is being set up of uh, correct intentions and wrong intentions and so on, or correct actions and wrong actions. And it's not that it doesn't show up that way, but it's unreal. So the more, from my perspective, the more you can just look at that without doing anything. When I say don't do anything unless you have to, if you look at that and you feel like you're going to, going to you are going to try to take that approach, then it gives you that much longer that you're going to be looking at it without grasping, rejecting, shutting down, opening up, or doing anything with it. And, and you'll be, again, it sounds very provisional, and perhaps it is. You'll be closer to seeing what it actually is. If you see what it actually is, It'll be choiceless. You'll just function in that area without apology, without explanation. You won't even say to somebody, well, it's just choiceless for me. Actually functioning that way, that, is, that won't work as a, as a credential. Yeah. Um, an example is um, my aunt asked me to go meet up with her this mm -hmm. weekend and so there's a choice whether or not to go. There's a lot of story around it for me in both directions. Like later today? It was yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. Okay, so this has already happened. It's already happened. <laughs> You're sorry it happened? No, it's already oh, it's happened. already happened. Um, but there was a lot of story around it both directions. Like, oh, yes. it would be good to, to see her and it would yes. strengthen our relationship, but I don't actually really want to go and it might be weird and all this. Um, story around it. So there's. Did you is go? this? Did you go? Mm -hmm. How was it? 
<laughs> oh, say so you're not finished. So pardon me for interrupting. Go ahead. Um, do all of the stories around it indicate that I'm trying to find the right decision? Yes, I would say that's true. You, you did decide to go. Why did you do that? This this one. So you feel like it was choiceless? Looking back, do you say, I really had to do that? I don't know. Okay. Again, coming back, there's there is way too comp it is so incredibly complicated. It's it's amazing that more what, what we call them scientists, those who think they're right about stuff because they have proof, scientists. Um, it's, it's amazing that people don't see how incredibly complicated this is so that this is not your hand. This is not my hand. This is a hand that is functioning uh, in space with a human form. We can go on and describe it, but there's no singularity called a person anywhere. It's an astonishing realization. And those who operate out of right and wrong and what, what the uh, Bachikoto was trying to squeeze out of the Buddha, get the Buddha to pick or choose, the Buddha wouldn't do it. And so what was it? If the Buddha wasn't doing that, what was the Buddha functioning out of? There's no way he or I or any other teaching person can just hand that to you and suddenly, whew, glad that's over with, I'm glad I got that teaching. So a similar situation that what's happening in your dynamic theory, you, you are actually understanding what that is. There was nothing. There was nothing to correct. There was nothing to fix. There was no right direction, no wrong direction. Probably, you, more than likely, you were feeling put upon by being with this person because it's difficult to be with her. Perhaps is that something like that? Some, to some degree. So, what was the negative area? Where you think you didn't really want to do it? Was it just didn't want to spend your time, or should I give you some other or? Grow your boat. Um, just disruption in the day, and sometimes it can be difficult to be around them. Okay, so where are you at with? Where are you at with it now? You feel like you should have done this or should have done that? Any regrets about it? No, I'm just reflecting on the decision. I feel like I make a decision harder than it needs to be often. So. That's awareness. You don't don't have to correct that. But just being aware that the mind stream is doing that, you're getting closer to the way the ego is operating. When you get close to the way the ego operates, the ego starts to get nervous. And that's when you need to go to the wall more. Or simply put, just watch the movement of the mind to create a disturbance based on passion, aggression, ignorance, hope, and fear, and so on. Two questions. In the reading that you did, um, in the Buddha's response, was he taking a position? Um, yes, he was. He gets to do that. So it's, it's not about not taking a position, it's, but it's more about what, what do you really have to do? You, if, if you're going to work with suffering, and, and especially in the case I'm not speaking for the Buddha, but I would say that if you're going to help people, if you read early on, he thought about not saying anything at all about his understanding because he didn't know how to put it into words, apparently. And then he did it anyway. 
but it's with the understanding that what is being pointed at can't really be described. It is a knowing that goes beyond the relative right and wrong knowing, the conceptual, the eternalism, nihilism is one of the ways of talking about it. Yes. Can you mind? So when in the situation like Jun Shu brought up for us, yes. uh, we have a, a, what seems to be an apparent decision and then yes. we find ourselves just acting or not acting. And when you asked her the question, um, about, about, I can't remember exactly how it went, about that quote decision and she said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of, I don't know, a knowing beyond thought? It's, the, it's right at the edge of it. If you want to continue to use relative images, it's, it's at the edge of it. There's still, there's still things tagging around that are, cautionary from the point of view of protecting something that is unreal. We don't, we don't want to be wrong. And then if we're wrong, then we, well, what? You tell me, what if we are wrong? When you buy one more. Yes. Sometimes we use the phrase, I don't know, as sort of a flippant escape, I would, I would call it. But then on the other hand, it, it's also what I just brought up with, with Jinshu, the I don't know, knowing beyond thought. Is there a way for us to tell when we're just sort of coasting with the I don't know because we don't want to investigate anymore? I think it's, is there still a path quality? There's not a fruition happening there, if that's what you're asking about. The, the I don't know still has a path quality to it. The I don't know that, that it's fruition, there, there, isn't, there isn't anyone that doesn't know, and there isn't anything that you don't know. And, and there's, to try to put that into words is uh, so that people can hear, oh, well, why didn't you just say so? Why didn't the Buddha talk like that? Or why, 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 why? Fruition won't have a, uh, won't be a, uh, an outcome. Or could, could be an income. Go ahead. What is it then? Find out. You find out. You have to do it. If you see that things are choiceless, do stories still arise around the apparent choice? More than likely, it's there dependently arisen. They don't have a, a storyteller. They just arise. If you think they're a storyteller, then this is this is the very nature of of a duality and of the illusion of this and that and self and other. More about that if you have it. The decision doesn't get made out of the stories around it. But the stories still show up. What? What is the decision made from? It's just it's one is no longer setting up shop in the middle of their thoughts, ideas, emotions, projections, beliefs, opinions. Because if you've been practicing, if you're on this path, you've been practicing for a while. That whole that whole structure is starting to come apart. As Hoban said when he translated the the. Uh, 
Heart Sutra, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. You could say this is what happens to ego, and it is painful, and it can be scary. And without some kind of a, again, some kind of a structure or way of working with this, like the Buddha Dharma, the song of the teacher, the teaching in the community, and the teaching down through the centuries, there have been commentaries and teachings on this that are amazing. So we'd be studied those. We continue to practice. We can continue to observe how we grasp some things and push other things away. Passion and aggression, albeit in very low frequency, so it's not too noticeable to others, but we're noticing it ourselves as we're interacting with someone. We can feel the aggression. It is about the awareness of that, not about controlling or stopping it. That's a, that's a different kind of teaching, which some people probably need to do that. I'm saying just be whatever arises that you, that is you, but not separate from the Buddha. But it's not a conclusion. It's a realization that something you've been covering up, now you're going to look at it. And it may not align, line up with what you thought this would be. Some people were on the, been on the path for a while <clears throat> might even say, I didn't think it was going to be this. I thought it was going to be much more this or this or this, but not so difficult. More. Could you die? If there are a lot of stories arising out of the yes. fork in the road, um, should we endeavor not to make a decision out of the stories? Uh, the endeavoring part is a little bit extra. I would just watch the stories. It's just, it's like, What's some, not too long ago, I said, don't, didn't I say, don't argue with a goldfish? And I said, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll use it now then. So that's like to talk to your stories or lay stuff or try to use the story. It's a story. It's a story. It is, it is, um, because nothing is separate, then everything that shows up has an appearance of separation, sometimes called self-existing. But you don't don't do anything with it. You don't have to buy part of it or sell part of it or ignore it. You don't have to do anything with it. Just receive it. Just listen to the story. Enjoy yourself. It's just a cloud. You don't argue with the clouds. You don't argue with goldfish. Just observe. That's your thoughts are like goldfish coming and going, coming and going. But we put on the personhood because along with the, the stories and the thoughts, there are those other more higher, as Trungpa Rinpoche called, uh, um, I can't remember his exact quote, but he talked about emotions being like speedy thoughts. They're so speedy that they have a stronger, um, um, uncomfortable dynamic to them. Just receive. If it shows up, it needs to be there. Nothing. There's nothing to correct. This is what the, the Zogchen masters of ancient times, and even right now, are saying. Everything is perfect as it is. It doesn't mean there aren't horrible things happening, but they're dependently risen. There's no blame for anything. It's just the overall confusion about what arises, thinking some things have to be stopped and some things have to be pushed up to the top and take over. We need peasants and we need dictators. What is knowing when thoughts arise? So when thoughts arise, what does it mean to know? Just 
You just know them. You might not even call them thoughts. They just watch. You just watch them. And all kinds of things can be hooked onto those that are have an emotional dynamic to them. There's the thought, the structure, the intellectual, the description of it. it Maybe even a little bit of finger pointing to who caused rather than, than something showed up and, and triggered something else over here happening. It's just uh, your own personal description, your own per particular uh, private tutor telling you everything independently arisen. That's why it's all hooked together. This caused that, caused that, caused that. Not this triggers to blame because otherwise if that trigger hadn't shown up, then I wouldn't be feeling this. It's about observing that and receiving it on behalf of others. Receive the suffering in your mind stream on behalf of all beings who haven't even gotten, they aren't close enough to the train, this kind of a training to even know they're suffering. Somebody who's torturing other people doesn't realize, don't realize they're suffering. They think the other people are suffering. So they get rid of their suffering, torture others. One of the ways, lord it all over others, be right, they're wrong. No respect for other people's confusion, just judgment and condemnation and and puffing ourselves up at the, by pushing other people down. Does the discursiveness go anywhere? When? When, when, when this is seen for what it is? <clears throat> yeah, it may, it may hang around. Uh, there is no other where. Or did you say anywhere? Because other where, there may be another where. But the other where is unreal. Don't go other where. Don't stay here. Don't stay. What is there another one? Don't stay here. Yeah. Don't stay here either. Don't stay anywhere. Don't, no location. You're, you're nowhere and you're everywhere. At the risk of sounding fancy, it's not like the ego is that, but the ego may be included, may not. Anything, anytime you do anything with anything, else, the elseness starts to show up as uh, reinforcing the, the duality, the, the polarity of the situation more. Is there still discursiveness when this is seen through? Yes. There's just no discursor. There never was. But the discursiveness, this is what it means by liberation, is everything is liberated. All the craziness, all the, the tussle you were having uh, when you were 13 years old with your, your family or your schoolmates, whatever, all of that is liberated. It doesn't have to go away. It doesn't have to dissolve. Oh, that was unreal. No, everything is not, there's no singularity that is unreal. Everything is unreal. Andre. Andre Bowen. During uh, monk training day yesterday, a question was asked, do we, do, how do we save ourselves before others? And please elaborate. And also how does, how can we save anyone facing the wall? Well, the facing the wall is about training the mind rather than just being at the mercy of the mind all day long, being pushed this way, this way by hope and fear, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, and all the relative things that are that are the huge net of of separation, the huge net of culture, and the whole right and wrong dynamic that's all over the place. So we we separate ourselves 
from that. Sit down and hold still and watch this, a similar thing happening in the mind stream. But we don't, there we train ourselves not to accept it and not to reject it and not to shut down on it. But you could say witness that. And since the fundamental understanding coming from the Buddha is nothing is separate. Everything is dependently risen. There are no separate beings anywhere. So beings are already liberated. There's no one to liberate. There's no one to save. That's the ultimate teaching. But we have to start somewhere. So we start by with relative bodhicitta, which is what Chazan uh, was talking about a while back, relative and ultimate bodhicitta. Relative bodhicitta is there's something to do about it. Put others before ourselves. Be kind to others, even though you might the ego mind might say they don't deserve that. They're acting like they're act, the way in which they're acting does not deserve good treatment or something. To build it up in that in such a way like that. So by taking yourself to the wall, sit down. You're kind of unplugging from everything, and you're just watching to see that which keeps rolling without being in, unplugged in. In other words, if you're interacting with someone in the kitchen down the hallway and they're saying this and you're saying that and you're, you hear this and you hear that, you're still operating very much in, in the illusion uh, as if it were real. So you're deluded by it. But when you sit down and face a wall, uh, there isn't anyone there but you. Of course, there isn't anyone there but you in any case. But in this case, it's magnified. So you're, you sit, you're sitting there and you're watching your own mind disturbance come and go and come and go. And so what's being recommended is what I'm saying to any, to anyone that's uh, asking questions in the area of the issue, the problem, or inability to make a decision, don't do anything. Just watch that because nothing lasts. If you do anything with it, it tends to persist. If you do nothing with it, it's worse. It, gets, it can get really, really <coughs> painful and difficult. Do it anyway. Say to. Say to bowing. Nice to see you, buddy. Thank you. Where have you been? Uh, last week at my niece's uh, baby shower. Okay, that's good. That, I'll give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, earlier you said that we don't have to learn from our mistakes. No. Is it the have to that's the problem there? Yeah, setting it up so that you don't you don't really get a clear, because you're already on it by trying to learn from it, benefit from it. Of course, I'm not saying that if you, you know, very simple-minded area, you're going to learn from you cut yourself with a knife, you're going to be more careful if you were mishandling it in some way. Or, so I'm, I'm just saying that sometimes that is emphasized so much that it kind of takes over and fills in the whole space that could be just the awareness of what the situation was in the first place. So what we try to do is we try to blame. And so that covers up the fundamental issue or misunderstanding, which is mistaken identity. There is no one there. That's why there's no mistake. Robert. Robert Bowie, is there a discernment in knowingness? How are you using the word discernment? An observation of relationships that occur within the knowingness of yes. what you know? Yes. I, well, I, the way I teach that is contrast. You're going to see contrast, but don't... The contrast of black and white. Black is not better than white. Red is not better than yellow. But there's a contrast there. But that doesn't mean that you can kind of just not have any feelings. That doesn't mean that the feelings, because the feelings themselves are dependently risen. There's no, there's no feeler. There's no person who's feeling. There's no person who's thinking. And when it's sometimes said, as I think uh, 
Oh, I can't think of the fellow's name that wrote the book, uh, Thoughts Without a Thinker. Um, you remember, pretty good book title. I think you probably don't have to read the book. You just read the title several times. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a thinker there, but the thinker is unreal. So it's not about having thoughts where there's no one at home anymore. Uh, the, it's still the, the, that dynamic of consciousness that seems to be producing thoughts is unreal. That's all you have to see. You don't have to stop it because it's unreal. Because then we're right back to spiritual materialism, trying to use spiritual techniques to get somewhere, improve. Any questions on Zoom? Yu Hongbaoying. No. You mentioned that that is not real. When, when someone, for example, when someone insulted me, the part I think is real. Is that because of my ego trying to either feed or do something with that? Is that part is from ego, Baoying? It seems that it's that dynamic in consciousness that thinks that something is missing and they need to fix something or something is wrong needs to be corrected. And it's not that relatively this it's an amazing illusion. It's that there are people that make their living um, fixing, correcting, adjusting, pushing this way and pushing that way. Not incorrect and not wrong. Not something we should do anything about. So it goes a long way to say that it's not wrong, nor is it right. It's just the dynamic of dependent origination that shows up as this cause that, cause that, cause that. So all you have to do, uh, Yuhang, is uh, just be aware of that, observe that, rather than try to push it, or think that that must mean I need to do this, or that must mean that I need to stop doing that. Yuhang Baoying, so when you say it's, um is not real it has to be see-through is that a is that a right is it beyond that what you said unknown bowing yes it's unreal you have to see that it is it is there it's showing up but it's it is an illusion and if you see that when you i hold up my hand if you were to hold up your hand this, this it's there it's there but we're deluded by it into thinking that this is my hand. This is, and I can start something, stop something, and that I will either continue to live or I will pass away or die. Thank you. Don't um, do anything. You're welcome. Don't do anything about it. Uh, don't do anything with it to tighten up on something so that you have a, 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 a reference point. Even the three jewels is pretty difficult. It's a good reference point, but it's pretty difficult if you try to hang your hat on something. Jokido, you have a question? Jokido Bowing, um, I think you addressed it a little bit with Seto. My question was about, I think you said the mundane path is about learning from your mistakes. That's not the spiritual path. But I was wondering in the context of uh, giving Dharma talks, practice monk talks. Yes. If we think we've made a mistake there, is that wrong? <laughs> Are you trying to trap me? <laughs> That's a existential black hole you have there. <laughs> so what do you want to, let's, let's stay with it. What, what do you want to know? Because I, I think I might be able to respond to that. What do you want to know? 
I think it's also along the lines of trying to improve in some way that we're looking to learn from our mistakes. Is is that at all what we're doing in our monk talks, Bali? No. I'm trying to see what Juzan's writing upside down. He writes very tiny, so it'd be hard to tell what he was writing if it was right side up. Why would you write upside down? <laughs> Why is that? That's that that right there. That can show you. Go look in the mirror. How many people do you see? You don't see anyone. It's a reflection. Everything is a reflection. That's a reflection. This is a reflection. This is a reflection. It's worse than you thought. It's better than you thought. And that's when the, the whole thought situation collapses. Please don't hesitate. If you have questions, yes, sir. Shoto. Shoto Bowing, what do you mean by that? Like that image of something collapsing in light of saying that, like to Juzon's question, that there can still be discursiveness. So um, I, if I were to, I, the way I understand your question, I would say you, you don't believe in the discursiveness anymore. You still see it coming. It just tumbles around in your mind and you, 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 you think it. Uh, you have the, the edges of it that are the emotional area of whatever it is, the topic that you're on because of the, what somebody said or did or what you said or did, what you should have done or what they shouldn't have. It's, it's still going to show up and, and come about because it is dependently arisen. But there's no grasping at a self anymore. There's no releasing of a self, no accomplishment. I no longer have a self. There's no grasping at a self, uh, belief, believing in your thoughts and your ideas, and you're justified in going after someone or accusing someone or, say, or adding on the reason you're feeling this way is because of that or her or him or what happened. More. Sort of buying. Is it the relationship that collapses? Say more. What do you want to know? What do you mean by the relationship? Sort of buying. Our relationship to the discursiveness. Well, the relationship could, it may. If you're looking for evidence, you, you might find something there, but there, there's no, there's no guarantee that anything is going to show up in any kind of dynamic because it is way too complicated. And the reason it's complicated is you're trying to find what caused what caused what, when actually nothing, things are not separate, so there is no causation. It's just the ultimate understanding. And one, one has, a, has an ultimate understanding if you really understand what the relative situation is of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, should and shouldn't, like the, the Buddha was addressing in the Majjhima Nikaya to uh, Yes, sir. Andy Bowing. Um, earlier, you were saying you teach meditation this by this way by look, just looking at the thoughts in order, something along the lines of in order to emphasize the spaciousness. You know, I'm probably paraphrasing you wrong there, um, but I'm just I'm wondering should we go looking for the spaciousness? Yeah. That, that's what chintaza is. You're, you're sitting down and you're volunteering volunteering to sit and look at there's a discursiveness discursiveness of the mind, the discomfort 
you're looking at the first noble truth and you sit down. You might not be doing that the first three or four months or three or four years, but eventually that's what starts showing up. It's how, because all of your, uh, not to be too silly about it, but but all of your past lives, everything you've ever stuffed is, is, want to get, is going to want to get an audience because now you're in this human form and this dynamic you're receiving, you're receiving maybe something you haven't ever done before. Andy Bowing, so there's no, there's no look, looking for anything. No, just looking at, looking for, We'll start well looking for will happen maybe for quite a while but eventually it just becomes looking at and then the atness the otherness of it starts to come apart and that in that area that the ego mind can get quite upset quite distraught about that wanting to maybe do another kind of meditation that isn't quite so open more of a working on some kind of a form or some kind of a hitching post, like a mantra. And I'm all about mantras. We, we do them here. So it's just when that becomes something to lean on so that you don't have to see the spaciousness. More? Indy Bound. So the spaciousness shows up on its own. Yes. Indy Bound in, in the ego or sense of self just wants to deny that showing up good touch space got some uh, agoraphobia going on there too much room here i need to need to do the dishes no i think i'll just sweep the floor for a while some anything to distract us from that open dimension where there's is still maybe pretty fearful Maybe some kind of fear going on, even though we can't find anyone who's afraid. The fear is still there. It becomes challenging in that on a path when one is experiencing and things are coming and going that are threatening or difficult, challenging. And we see that there's no we see that there's no no person there anymore. And even the, the dynamic that is happening that may feel pretty horrible is um, unreal. So therefore, it gets to be there. Andy, but last question. Uh, so if we, if we see that the fear is just uh, coming on its own from wherever, and we see that agoraphobia, all we do is just look at the agoraphobia. Yes. Look at what I've called agoraphobia. And you may call what? Ham and eggs? They're just names. Oh, what I'm trying, I'm not trying to be too silly here, but it's just, just we put names on things and then we start to look at the naming rather than what we've just named. If you look at what you're naming, you'll see that it really doesn't come with a name. Doesn't come with a with a, a dynamic and a, and a you know a, a user's manual. It's completely without any kind of instruction. You are we are each uh, not separate from the Buddha. All the Buddha did was awaken. I don't know how long it took him to do that, but to awaken that uh, to 
reality. And what was it? There isn't anything but the Buddha. There isn't anything but awakening. And this is this is an incredible illusion that gives us some kind of a of a reference point temporarily, so that we can actually see that. But instead, we have the civil war, and we have a um, what, what's that other one? I am always quoting Peloponnesian War. I like that because it starts with a P. So why not? And those are look at all the things that have happened. The Second World War, the the Third World War, that hasn't happened yet. The wars that are going on. People are serious. They take their confusion really seriously and want to blame others. So what we're going what we're going to do is don't jump in the middle of a of a labyrinth or a, not a labyrinth but a landslide to try to change something that has been going on way before you got here and will probably keep going. But what you could do is awaken to what this is. There's no credit. There's no. There's no standard for that. Am I awake? Am, am I am I awakening? Is is this the is this the true path? Should I be doing this? This, is, this seems suspicious to me. There. Yes, Milka. Milka Bowing. There's some questions from YouTube. Ross in Ireland asks. He says, Ross Bowing, when the master saw that nothing happens, does it still appear as if things are happening? Bowing. Mm -hmm. Ross. Who saw nothing was happening? He just said the, the master. Okay, and what was the next part of it? Does it still appear as if things are happening? Is there something hidden in that that I don't know yet? Um, read that one more time. Ross Bowing, when the master saw that That's nothing good. happened. That's good. That's good. Got it. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Does it still appear as if things are happening? Yes, that's why it's a, it's a. If you see that this is an illusion, it can get stronger because now you're no longer trying to argue with it, with it or disagree with it. So the that's why Trungpa Rinpoche and his Sadhana Mahamudra said things are vividly, vividly unreal. That means it's Technicolor Cinemascope. There's other things I could be saying, but I'm too old. It's it's incredibly strong and overpowering. No one is overpowered. There's no personhood there. There's just dependent origination showing up as situations. As long as there's a living being, then there's going to be some situations, but unreal. More from Ross. No, no, but I have one from Susanna. She asks how to work with anger. Get mad. That's where I'd start at. When you ask me that way, uh, that question that way, I would say, experience your anger. You don't necessarily have to have an outflow. You don't have to hammer on the tabletop, but you might. Everyone is dealing with anger. Some some people will tell me or tell you or say how angry they are, and yet we can't really see. They don't really seem to be angry, but they'll, they'll tell you, I'm incredibly mad. I'm just so angry. I can't hardly stand it. And yet there's no no particular outflow that we see that's the obvious uh, um, the way anger conventionally shows up is yelling or doing something aggressive. So I would say the way you're asking the question, I would say um, sit a lot, 
sit down, hold still, and watch the anger in its uh, in its very uh, radical form when it first starts to come up over the edge of the horizon of your mind stream. You first start to see the shall we call it negativity because anger is pretty negative. But, but be responsible for that. When I say be responsible, have a willingness to feel that before you go to trying to cover it up with your finger pointing or your blaming either either to yourself or to others. Be responsible for your feelings. No one's pouring any feelings into you. Passion, aggression, ignorance, anger, grasping, greediness, shutting down dis the disturbance of just trying to turn away from things, distract yourselves away from the, the issue or the apparent causation, which is more than likely just some kind of a trigger that's buried in the avalanche in some way that suddenly uh, it shows up and you start to take it personally because it's occurring in your mind stream. That's no, that's no proof of anything. Any more there? And then other than Ross said he was referring to Rinpoche. A trunk from Rinpoche? That's okay. He, he can come back if he has something else. Jishin, you have a question? Jishin Boeing, what makes humans receiving different from from the receiving of animals, plants, rocks? Boeing. Um animals, what makes a, a human's receiving different from, like if you hand a raccoon a banana and they receive it, if you hand it, have a human, I'm being a little sillier, but you deserve it. <laughs> what makes it, what, I mean, what makes it different? I'm not sure what, I don't, I'm not a raccoon. I think I might've been one a couple of times because of the tendency to steal things. <laughs> But I'm not sure what, what is it you want to know? Maybe I can address that um, maybe more, what's the fancy word, succinctly, so that we can get down to what it is you want to know about that, if I can even respond. Jishin Bowing, I, I would rather give another example of the dog, loving dog, who is looking at the, <laughs> <laughs> the owner with great love and is receiving something from the owner. So uh, I'm just trying to figure out, you, you teach us receive, receive, receive. So yes, what is that we humans have the others don't? don't. So I, I would say that uh, the, the animals, because of their, the way they're structured and their consciousness and so on, are more, uh, more tied in with um, just their basic tendency. They want food. Uh, they, they don't want to be afraid. So they'll run away from things they're afraid of, or they'll attack things. So uh, humans do that too, but humans also have the opportunity to, to look more closely at what's happening and see that, uh, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm not sure where it seems like the, the, the difference I could talk about it, but I don't know if I'm even getting close to what it is that you want to know. It's pretty obvious that, you know, uh, a human being can can drive a bus and a dog can't. So if a dog wants to go across town, it's either going to have to jump on the bus or 
that their owner, I mean, I'm being silly, but I, I don't know how else to say that it seems so obvious the difference there. So maybe I'm, that's why I might be missing something you want to know. Yes? It seems to me that we, ha we have some capacity of receiving in a different way that that uh, animals and plants, even though they receive too. And uh, um, so my question is about what makes that difference, what puts us in the position of receiving in the way which is, which is asked of us by you or other teachers, Bowing. I don't know. Anybody want to answer that question? I, I don't know if I can answer it in such a way that would lead to more questions about it. This is what uh, the, the Buddha was addressing, I think, somewhat in the Jimanakaya. The either or animals and humans. Some uh, I've said before, some dogs I've met, if you put human vocal cords in them, you just do that, they immediately start telling you, complaining about the food you're eating. So there, some animals are extremely smart, like a better word, but not all of them. There further question uh, on Zoom? Yes, Peter, Peter Bowing. Go ahead, sir. Uh, what you say about thoughts seems to contradict everything that I've heard about psychology and psychoanalysis. Uh, I'm puzzled by that. <laughs> Okay. Do you have a question? Uh, I guess my question is, uh, it's more like a comment. I just don't, I just don't see. The thoughts are are so real. They seem so real, and they they seem to co they connect with past experiences. How, how can that be wrong or, or imaginary, I guess? Or is it? Well, That's my question. Is it imaginary? Yes. And this is, uh, this is not something I invented. It's something I have been studying myself for a long time. And other people, including the Buddha and other, my teachers, other teachers down through the centuries, uh, seem to resonate with a similar understanding that that what the polarity of things are right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death, including that one. That's a big one. Uh, life and death are not are two names for the same thing. It doesn't mean that something isn't different in one. One, you have a you have a human form, you have a body form, a biological situation. But this this won't go away. What what this looks like, what you think this is, will go away, and then you will have other thoughts about it that will more or less keep it going. So what I'm saying is don't don't believe, don't disbelieve, and don't ignore. And, and that way, see deeply into what this is, like the, the idea there of knowing something beyond thought. So you're going to have to watch the thoughts come and go, like the thoughts you're having. The downside of what you're explaining there or uh, elaborating on is probably feels really uncomfortable. But the upside of, of it is that is the passage that you need to go through. You don't need to conclude anything about it. You don't have to decide that thoughts are illusions and they're wrong. Just look at the thought. Thoughts arise, watch. Don't, don't accept them. 
Don't reject them. Don't ignore. Those are the three poisons, the three ways that the ego mind, the self-centered mind, gets in the way of ultimate realization of, of who we are, what this is, what this whole incredible appearance is. It is completely pure of anything we think about it. But don't believe me. I'm not saying you believe in believe me. And I would say just continue to practice. I assume you're doing sitting meditation. I'll continue to help you as long as I'm here. But if something, if you feel that I'm full of it, then perhaps I am. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for everything. One final question in here, if there is one. Very good. We can close then. Thank you. Hi, my name is Shoto, and I am a monk at Soku Koji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokuzan. We rely on your support for much of what we offer here. This includes building projects to create space for full-time and part-time practice residents. Thank you for your help. 